Remember the first time you saw a race car on an open trailer? Maybe it was full of dirt, tire marks, and other battle scars. You wondered where it had been, and more importantly, where it was going next. Every open trailer has a story, and we're here to tell it. Welcome to the Open Trailer Podcast. Over the next couple of weeks here on Open Trailer Podcast, we're going to do things a little different. Now, generally, this is a history-based podcast, which spotlights a number of individuals who have achieved said history of racing in Maine. Uh, And I think we're at a very interesting point in that history. One of the marquee tracks in the state has ceased to exist. Last September, uh, CEO Andy Cusack made an announcement that the track would no longer be a racetrack. And it caught everybody completely off guard, including myself. And and I've talked about this before, mainly in the uh, forward to season two. So if you want a more in-depth answer, uh, it's certainly there. But to recap, just because it's relevant to today's conversation, is, yeah, I didn't know. And I still get a few questions. One, did you know? The answer is no. Question two, would you have wanted to know? And I've wavered on that one, mainly siding on no. We all want to control the situation, and we all, if knowledge is power, then why wouldn't we want it? Well, I don't know. I think it might have tainted the journey or whatever that night was. And if I can look back on that night of racing in September, I'll tell you, it was a great night. There was a ton of drama, great racing. We were just having a blast. And, um, you know, obviously it turned out the way that it did. But geez, you know, like, hey, here's what's going to happen. Go ahead. You know, I I don't know. I'm sure I would have handled it much differently, Uh, which leads me to the third question. How did you just not skip a beat and do trophies? Believe me, the thought went through my head about five times during that 17, 18 minute announcement or whatever it was. I mean, it felt like 17 hours. I went from I, I can't believe this is happening to, oh, this this is definitely happening. And then I got selfish, and I thought, well, wait a minute. I think I'm the next to speak. What the hell do I say? Fortunately, I had about 53 seconds of fireworks between announcement and, hey, here's the top 10 for 2021. Um, And honestly, I prayed on it, you know, and I got out of my own head. And, uh, you know, and I thought of some of the people that we'll talk to in the next couple of episodes, people who had busted their ass all year or for years just to get to this moment and to have the race announcer make it about him. And yeah, maybe he's speaking for the thousand, fifteen hundred people that were there that night. But no, no, it was, um, I'm glad it turned out the way that it did. Because I can look back on it without regret. And there are very few things in life that I actually do have regret on. The only things are mainly where someone else was negatively impacted. If it were just about me, that's just life experience. In this episode, we talked to people who were champions or could have been champions that night. We'll get to Chris Smith, who was the Sports Series champion. We talked to Keith Petrin, who won a truck championship that night. It was, I think, his fourth one, third or fourth. I mean, the, the guys accomplished a lot in that division. Brandon Johnson, who won a Mad Bomber championship. 
We'll talk to Gary Smith, a driver whose career dates back to the 70s, getting his first Beach Ridge Championship, and what a night that was. And Rusty Poland, who had a shot to win his first championship that night. Uh, Things didn't work out so well for him, but... um, You know, he's grateful, and you'll hear about that, too. Thank you so much for the Patreon support. It continues to grow. I get slightly embarrassed from time to time, uh, but those that's 100% about me and my insecurities. So um, thank you again. First up, we get to Chris Smith, who worked himself into some pretty incredible company on the final night of Beach Ridge. We'll pick up with... What Chris was going to do in 2022 had there been a beach ridge? Uh, the plan was going to be just to work on the car some more, clean it up a little bit, replace some parts, um, repeat in 2022. Did you uh, find anything middle of the year that uh, you were like, you know what, we could be even better? Not really. Just a little bit of fine tuning, just things that I learned yeah. over the summer. So, man, you're there. Uh, I'm there. Everybody's there. The night that uh, the news drops... And what was going through your mind when those words were coming out of uh, the track owner's mouth? Uh, so I was there for the awards um, to get my championship trophy. Yeah. So I was pretty excited anyways. And when he started talking about that, I heard people's reactions and didn't really, it didn't sink in really. Um, even through the whole awards, it still didn't. It wasn't anything that I was, I was upset about. It, was, it just happened. And um, I think everyone else's shock kind of caught me off guard. Even getting my award, I was still happy and didn't really think about it too much. When did the news really sink into you? Uh, honestly, I would say probably uh, last week when I drove by the track and I saw the signage coming down off the Turn 5 Tavern and the sign at the front stretch gate. Because um, I drive by there twice a day, every day, on my way to work, home. Mm. So uh, I knew one day I would see that. And so when I actually did, it was just, like, wow, it's, uh, it is finally happening. So you're, uh, you've been around forever. I mean, you can go back to the 90s when you were racing. I mean, um, do you fir- what was your first memory of being at that racetrack? Uh, back in 1985, I went to school with Robbie Harrison, and we were in first or second grade. And uh, that was the year that I watched the 37 Bandit, Bob Harrison, out there on the, the last year on dirt. And he won a championship that year. And uh, so I was hooked after that. I never really missed more than a race or two a season since then. I've gone uh, every year since pretty much almost every race. And you're a Scarborough guy. I mean, you know, you graduated Scarborough School and, you know, your parents are from there. You've lived there for a long time. Um, you know, not having Beach Ridge, I mean, forget being a racer, not having Beach Ridge as part of Scarborough. How does that fit in the, the grand scheme of Scarborough these days? I don't know. A lot of my friends are from Scarborough. I grew up with a lot of my friends that are from the racetrack. Um, I went to school with a lot of them. So I don't know. You know, it's mm. like a Thursday night. We would, you would just go to the racetrack and watch your friends race Thursday Thunder. Can you talk about some of the relationships that you formed at the track? Yeah, well, I met my wife, Kristen, at the racetrack in 2003 or 2004. I remember exactly what year it was. You better remember that real quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Met a lot of friends there. Like I said, a lot of them I've known growing up, and then they just sort of started racing as I've known them when beforehand they never did. Mm. Um, I did meet some nice people, though, there that um, became really good friends with. Um, Brian Babb was one of my favorite people. 
um, him and his whole family. Mm. Um, other ones like uh, Matt Gain. I know I, I knew Matt or of Matt before we became friends, but uh, we uh, yeah he's one of my best friends now, and uh, we share interest in other things like drag racing and uh, engine building and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, also Matt Dow, you know Matt started racing Thursday Thunder when I was a tech official back in the mid 2000s and uh, got into the sports series and I helped him for a couple of years and uh, he's a really good friend also. And then there's like the whole uh, the gaggle of kids from Wyndham, all those guys, you know, they're a lot younger than I am, but they're all really good kids and uh, we all get along really well and they're respectful and uh, we have a lot of fun together. What is the, the, if you had one race in your mind that sticks out as your, your best race at Beach Ridge, what would it be? Probably the 100-lap race in 2009 that I won when it was the only race I ran that season. When I asked if I could race, because I raced pro stocks here before, I was told that the worst thing that could happen was if I went out and won the race. <laughs> so with about two laps to go, I was on the radio with Mike Sanford, who was spotting for me, and I told him, uh, I think um, they told me to not win this race, so I think I might just pull off on the last lap. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I yeah, won that one on to win the race and uh, I wasn't allowed to race the car anymore that year for those that, that weren't around back then give a little context on why uh, you were only racing that one race and how that deal came together okay so uh, working out of a shop down in Scarborough George will be bought a race car and he hadn't raced probably in 20 years and uh, the car wasn't going too great so he offered for me to drive it in one race if they would allow me to do it. And normally that wasn't allowed the same year, but I asked permission to race that one race and uh, was given to me. So we changed the setup on the car. I put something back into it that was similar to what I had in my race car in 2006, and it worked pretty well. And so, you know, you win that race, and, and is there one race that you wish you had back, something that you play over in your head? Not really. I don't think there is um i finished second a bunch of times back when you were in your original run of championships in the early 2000s that was advantageous to finish second as opposed to going for the win how hard was it to not go for those wins yeah that was tough to do that um i can say there was probably only one or two occasions where that happened um where i did finish second because if you did win you had to start last and you couldn't uh, the following week, you couldn't redraw or well, requalify in your position and gain spots for the feature. So if you were, say, leading the points and there were 28 cars that week, you would start 28th in the feature, mm. regardless of where you finished the heat race. So um, you had to use it to your advantage, um, finish second, maybe gain a few spots in the heat race and start a bunch of spots ahead of the guy that was second in points. So that was tough. Um, I've always liked point racing. Uh, although I do appreciate the way that they started doing the, the requalifying in the last uh, few years. It's, it's worked out well and made, made for better racing. That way you're not watching people sort of hang on for a second, I guess. Mm. So now 2022 has come around. Obviously, we don't have a beach ridge. What are you doing? Um, so far, I'm uh, getting the car ready right now. I'm looking at going to Wiscasset uh, for the season. I may go to Oxford opening day also and feel that out. Otherwise, that's really it. I'm not planning on running a whole lot of races, I guess. The Wiscasset schedule is nice where it's only 12 races. Mm. 
and you know, with gas being so expensive this year and uh so you've you've raced other racetracks i remember you toured with act a little bit uh, about 10 12 years ago so you know you know what other tracks feel like and you've been around but what is it like moving forward without your hometown racetrack it's um I feel a little different about it it's kind of scary it's exciting um it's a little it's the unknown that kind of throws me for a curveball because I'm really set in my ways. Going to Beechridge was always what you did. It wasn't a matter of a decision. And this year it's been, I'm going to race Oxford. I'm going to race Wiscasset. Mm. And then I jump back to Oxford and then back to Wiscasset again. So I just feel like nothing's going to feel like home. But um, I'm excited to go race somewhere else anyways. The Jordans are nice people. So we'll give them a shot. Um, if the Oxford deal works out well and they have a good car count, I'll try that out. Um, it's just, um, I don't know. Nothing's going to really feel right, if you know what I mean. What, what's something that sticks out to you as, uh, you know, that's my Beatridge moment? Uh, again, not one specific moment sticks in my mind, but I had a great time uh, doing the tech on Thursday nights with Dave Oliver and Charlie Tuna. We did that for quite a few years. Um, Dave and I used to go sit up in the tower with Bob Libby, and uh, while well, he was officiating the races in the pit area, and uh, somehow we managed to just get a talked into doing tech so we always had a fun time down there with the thursday guys um also like i uh, drove the pace car for a few years oh i so. forgot about that oh you did um, yeah did you I, almost I get really love yeah i love taking my friends out in the pace car yeah those old pace car selfies were were amazing yeah. um <laughs> what uh, did you what was your scariest moment in the pace car did you ever feel like you were in danger I think just one time um, they threw, I was coming down to, to pull in the pit area, and they threw the yellow flag at the last second and said, pace car, stay out, as they were getting ready to throw the green flag. And right. uh, so I was starting to swerve into the pits and then cut back to the right to stay on the track. And I don't know why they did that. I don't remember what the situation was, but I pretty much felt like we were going to get wrecked at that point. Yeah. What kind of responsibility is it to drive the pace car as opposed to something that you own as a, as a race car? Oh, I feel like everyone's watching you in the pace car. Well, obviously they are when you're racing too, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of routine in that pace car as far as running the correct speeds for each certain division, which has different speeds. Um, knowing when to pull off the track or pull on the track and not pull in front of the car. Uh, also the national anthem. Everything, oh, uh, everything with that was always timed also, and you had to nail that down to the within a second or two. We could never, so. ever play the national anthem the same one twice in a row. So, uh, yeah, one would be one minute, 41 seconds. Another one would be two minutes, 10 seconds. So, um, yeah, we kept you on your toes. Yeah, that's for sure. I, I had it in my memory how fast I had to go for each one of them. Also picking up a championship that night, another multi-time champion, Keith Petrin, and his plans for 2022. My original plans were to race. I was going to take some time off because I've been racing for a long time, like 11 years. Mm. Um, so I, I was planning, I was still going to race to be there to support the track. We had like six races planned on the schedule. Um, one of my sponsors, Richard Pelletier, had bought a Mad Bomber. Uh, and I was going to race that a few times, um, and that was what the, my plan was for the seat, for this upcoming season. Um, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and you were uh, there to accept a, a championship. 
that Saturday night, 9-11, and then uh, the news is dropped. What was going through your mind when you heard all of that? I was shocked. Um, I was just completely shocked. Uh, my heart, I think, hit the racetrack when he said it. Um, you know, I, I won four championships at Beechridge, and it's you know, it's an honor to win championships at the racetrack, but I really felt bad for the guys that won their first championship, like Gary Smith and uh, Brandon Lezar, Brandon Williams, Brandon Johnson, Wade Kennedy. Those guys, like, my re- initial reaction was I couldn't believe it. I was in shock, but once I came to, I was like, those are the guys that I felt the most bad for because mm. they, they all won their first championships and they didn't get to celebrate it the way they should have. Do you remember what it felt like on the day that you won your first championship? It, it was amazing. It was I was on top of the world. Mm. Uh, winning a track championship is guys that that raced at Beach Ridge for twenty or thirty years that never had never won a championship, never even came close. So I was on top of the world. It was my mo- my very first championship was my most memorable championship because. You know, my dad was there, my mom, my brother, everybody was there. It was just, it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling. And it didn't feel that way this time because we got that news and it was like, okay, yeah, well, you should be happy and for me and, you know, here's your trophy. I'll see you later. Right. It was just, it was, you know, it wasn't right. The fact that your dad was part of your first championship, there's a, a picture of you, your brother Tim, and uh, and your dad creating memories at that racetrack. Your favorite memory of uh, your family at the track? My favorite memory was uh, when I won my first championship. Uh, My dad was so happy. It was 2013. I won my first track championship at Beach Ridge. My father was there. Uh, We we went through the whole thing, getting that championship trophy and being able to hold it next to my, my dad and my brother who were with me the whole step of the way without them two guys i would i would have never been able to race do you remember do you remember something that your dad said to you my father passed away in 2014 and one the biggest thing i remember him saying about me racing and he said it to my brother and i he he said make sure you guys continue to race don't stop racing because i won't be there i want you to continue to race and that's always stuck with me and that's why i've continued to race Mm. um that day, you know, the day I got my first championship trophy, he was so ecstatic. I don't even think he knew what to say. So it was some good memories with my dad there, and that's what—that's really what bothers me a lot too. So you said that you um, you weren't planning to race uh, if there was a track, but obviously there isn't a track. Are, are you ever going to race again? Absolutely, I I think I will. Um, I still have my truck and everything. Uh, like I said, I was supposed to race a Mad Bomber, and even after the racetrack had announced that they were closing, I was still going to race the Mad Bomber a few times here and there, either at Star Speedway or Oxford or Lee. We were going to go anywhere. Um, unfortunately, uh, my, my sponsor, Richard, ended up passing away, so that kind of put a damper in the plans. Uh, and... Now I'm going to be coaching Little League, my son, and stuff. So I, I don't really see much time to go racing this summer. And with everything that's happened all at once, it was kind of just like, all right, let's just take a step back. Yeah, It sucks the way everything ended, but at least we went out on top if, if I am all done. But I think 
I think you might see me once or twice at Oxford just to, you know, shake the cobwebs, but I have no official plans to do anything as of right now. What's it going to feel like rolling through the pits at Oxford knowing Beechridge and your home track isn't there? Not good. That's why I don't even I, I say one or two, but it's a big maybe because hmm. my heart's just not in it now that there's no more Beechridge Motor Speedway. I want to thank Keith for taking some time out of his schedule to uh, chat with me. A lot of these, um, a lot of these interviews happen in the middle of the daytime, so these guys um, threw down some lunch, made the phone call, and we have uh, some pretty great content. So appreciate that. You know, another family in the Hall of Fame, and deservingly so. You know, you look back on the people who ended up in that over the last few years, and you know there are definitely some people who deserve to be in there that. Not sure if they ever will be. I'm pretty sure that that is um, probably not going to be a thing anymore. But the people who did get in the last few years, I'm so glad that they got there, including the Johnsons. A member of the family, Brandon Johnson, certainly had some big shoes to fill and accomplished a lot, especially this past season. Uh, Brandon talks about his 2022 plans if there were to be a Beechridge. Uh, originally, we were talking about building a street stock to. You know, run Wildcats at Beach Ridge. That was that was kind of in the plans. You know, probably weeks ahead of time, before the you know championship night, and then obviously championship night, we we got the news and kind of put all that to a halt for a, a few minutes at least. But yeah, I talked to Gary after it all kind of went down, and we didn't really know what we were going to do after that. You know, you mentioned uh, you were going to move up to Wildcats when you started thinking about that. And the opportunity to move up to, um, you know, one of the one of the top series of the of the racetrack. What was that thought? That first thought process of like, hey, we're moving up. I saw an opportunity. I you know, I figured I've been in Mad Bombers for eight years. At you know now, so I was like, well, maybe I you know went in a lot of races last year. I figured, you know, maybe it's time to move up. And I kind of always dreamt of being on Saturday night racing. When we got towards the end of the season and started, the, you know, the the dream started to come true of winning the championship. That it was time to, you know, move along. I guess you've really come along in the last couple of years. What was it about? Yeah, you, you know, you started hammering out the wins. A lot of it was kind of working on the car at the shop and and getting the setup down. And I mean, we we had it on the scales. I mean, probably three or four times, you know, in the past. You know, when we started getting ready, you know, and winning all those races, it was kind of like uh, it started to really come together. And and Gary kept telling me to just, you know, be smooth, 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 and and it really kind of just started to fall together. It was kind of you know, like it almost came easy, but it wasn't at the same time. You know, it was a lot of hard work. But mm. do you think it was time, or was it just the the tutelage? I think it was a little bit of both, you know, time behind the wheel. I mean, when I first started, I, I, I mean, I couldn't finish <laughs> tenth, you know. Mm. But uh, now there's a lot of, uh, you know, hard work and and just you know, time in the seat was the biggest thing I think. And and it, I mean, obviously, it, it wouldn't be possible without all the support and sponsors that I have too, and you know, people that help me with the setup. It's it's all a combination of things that make it all happen. What was the most fun that you had at the racetrack? That's tough. Hmm. Probably the, the most fun was 
<laughs> honestly, after every win coming into the pits and and having all my family there and you know celebrating with them, that's probably the funnest part right there. But being there every weekend really was, you know, that's that's what it's all about. Is you know that's what we do. Mm. Well, you mentioned your family. Uh, you want to expand on some of the key people that you were excited to see when you would pull into the pits. Yeah. Um, well, if it weren't for really my dad, you know, giving me his his uh, '87 Buick Regal, my first race car back in 2014, you know, it really wouldn't be possible without that. You know, that's where I started, and you know, my parents, my mom and dad, you know, Gary, Kevin, Kylie, you know. It, Seeing everybody that supports me week in and week out, that that's what it really meant. You know, it meant really a lot to me to be able to come in. I was, I was, I was in tears. I was, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even really look at anybody without even crying because you know <laughs> we succeeded. But hmm. so with your, I mean, in Beechridge uh, family, the the last name Johnson, you know that uh, that carries some weight. Was that something that you know, was um, was on your mind when you were struggling in, in earlier years? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I grew up, you know, my first memories of being at the track are uh, with my great-grandmother, Tootsie, and really it it was weird if we weren't at the track. You know, it, we were always going to the track. I, I don't even remember the first time I went there. That's how young I was. And already knowing and seeing pictures and trophies of my, you know, my family from the past is like I almost feel like I have an obligation to try and do my best and go out and do the same things that they did. It was kind of a struggle because you know what back when I first started there was there was a lot of big names out there that I was racing against that had more you know experience than I did. But I, know, I think that helped you know make me become a better driver. How about that moment in Victory Lane with you and your dad? Tell me what that was like. That was. That was pretty cool because not many times do people get to win the same, you know, the same day as their father, you know, and then at the very least show up into victory lane. I had no idea that my dad was in victory lane that whole time. <laughs> but I will say when I when I headed out to the track that day, you know, for the, for the race, I was starting on the pole and he had already won. I saw him take his checker flag and I was like, wow. I need to win this now because I'm <laughs> it ain't gonna look good if I don't. But you know, I I raced the whole race. I went to go pull into victory lane. I had no idea he was there, and he, you know that that was pretty special to be able to celebrate right in victory lane with him. Yeah, because they don't usually wait around for the entire race. They you know wait for a caution or whatever and drive off. Yeah. So yeah, and it, it went caution free, mm. and he was just waiting there, uh, you know, waiting for me to get there. I guess one of the things that I think is. I don't think it's lost, but I think it's one of the things that makes racing special. Isn't necessarily about what happens when you're driving in circles, but it's the people that you meet along the way. And you've met some pretty special people who are in your life now that you might not have met had you not driven a race car. Yeah, I I mean, if it weren't for racing, I never would have met Gary. I never would have met Kevin. I never would have heard of all these people that eventually – they become a key key part in what I do, you know, week to week. Like, uh, I never, I actually never met Greg Peters, but I got a message from him during the season, you know, him, you know, congratulating me and, you know, giving me uh, props on my 
smooth driving. He liked that. He liked to watch my in-car cameras. So that was pretty cool. I mean, those types of things it mean a lot because they're, they're everlasting memories that I'm going to have. So it's, it's just really nice to be able to have so many different people and friends at the track. I mean, probably 90% of the people that I talk to or are friends with now past high school has something to do with racing. Did you meet your girlfriend at the racetrack? Uh, well, technically, no. Uh, obviously, I'd seen her at the track, uh, you know, every year, you know, walking down to Bill's Bill's pit there. But I actually really first met her at Bentley's for the uh, race car show there when I had my car there last year. So looking ahead to your uh, 2022, now obviously there isn't a racetrack that you thought you would race at. What are you doing? Uh, so I actually continued the, the thought of getting into a street stock, and we'll be racing up to Oxford here in a couple of weeks. Right now the car isn't ready, but that's kind of how it goes, right, in racing. It's always under the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> so how does it feel moving forward at a different track than you've, um, you know, you've, you've competed at? It's upsetting because, you know, you, we're, we've been so lucky to have a track so close to home and that, we, you know, we call it home and, it's, it's literally the, the home away from home. So mm. it's kind of, you know, it's unfortunate that we're not going to be able to race at, you know, the track that we love. But it also gives us an opportunity to race at another track and experience different, you know, different people, different tracks, and just see all, what else is out there. I mean, this is this will be the third track that I've raced at now. So I'm still kind of, you know, broadening my, my spectrum on racetracks, but I'm excited for it. Well, that's a cool attitude. Uh, Brandon, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to give me a call. Yeah, appreciate it. Can I thank some people and sponsors real quick? Oh, yeah, man. Go right ahead. Uh, American Building Group, Bills Automotive, Rejuvenate Canico, Casco Federal Credit Union, Can Do Driving School, Pearson Heating and Cooling, Johnson Pressure Washing. And then the people I'd like to thank are Kylie, Mom, Dad, Jay, Barry, Kevin, Trevor, Graham, Gramps, Bonnie, Paul, Gary, Julie, Ed, Michelle, Charlie, Crystal, and I'm probably forgetting some names there, but a lot of the, you know these people are the reasons why I get to do what I love to do. And those and people you forgot will remind you for the rest of your life. They will, yes, they will. Well, go out and thank them when you win another race, because I know you will, and that's awesome. Brandon Johnson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Next up, we have Gary Smith, who, wow, what a night and considering everything that team went through to get to the championship and the story behind it and apparently was ready to defend it regardless of the outcome of championship night 2021 uh, originally i was i was going to race beach bridge you know uh, and honestly not knowing that we were going to be the champion we had just planned that we were we were going to just continue on mm. and race down there um but then when we became the champions it, it was kind of neat that we would be able to defend that uh, until about an hour later, when they had the the, the announcement. Then mm. your uh, you know a little backstory. Your family has had you know quite the journey to to get to that championship over the couple of years that you know you've been racing at Beach Ridge with some loss in the family and 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 what that night meant to your team winning a championship. That was really big. I mean, we we've. Really, never changed championships per se. For you know, for all the years I've been racing, we just like to race around. But the last few years, we've we stayed at Beach, Beach Ridge. We we kind of pushed for that. Um, we really tried in uh, 2019 
and came up way short. And so this year we just kind of just figured that we'd race and do the best we could and see kind of where it went. And it, it just worked out for us well. But uh, we did have a loss in the family. My father-in-law, um, Bud Spencer, who uh, really started out this whole team and gave me my first opportunity and, and has been my sponsor for my whole career, has, has passed away in June. And, and so that kind of put a damper on the season. But it was nice to be able to win it for him and, and win it for the rest of the guys. And, and uh, we're really pretty proud of that. Let's talk about that championship night and how close things were. Um, what were some of the thoughts going through your head with um, with leading up to the actual feature race? Uh, probably the most nervous time I've ever had that I can remember in racing. Um, it just meant so much to everybody, you know, and and coming right down to the last day, and, and there was actually four people that could have could have actually won the championship, I believe, and 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 to go into the uh, the final race just a couple points ahead, it just was really. Very stressful, you know. But uh, lucky for us, you know, we, we we just finished well enough. I mean, we finished fifth, I think, in that race, and and uh, were able to persevere, you know, and get through that. And Gary, how long had you been racing? Um, I started racing uh, originally back in 1973. Um, I raced uh, for two years, and then I took ten years off. So I really started back in 1984. Um, and in in the pro stock since 1988, so we've been racing a good long time. Mm. And you uh, close out with that epic race at Beechridge, and then when I throw names like Mike Maeda, uh, Mike Johnson, Bob Randall, Ralph Cusack, Dick Walstenhume, and now Gary Smith to be included in that very prestigious group of people, uh, what what was that like for your racing career? It's really cool. I mean, those guys are all Hall of Famers, and, and I mean, just they're, they're just to be mentioned, and in, in, you know, like the old cliche, just to be mentioned in with them guys is, is a real honor. But mm. uh, it's really, really cool to be able to, to to be in that group. From the highs of highs to the crowning moment of getting the trophy, because for those that aren't around Beechridge, they did the postseason award ceremony a little different, a lot different this year, where it was at the racetrack so the fans could celebrate with the drivers, which was incredible. I mean, there were 1,000, 1,500 people lined up on the front straightaway to watch you and your crowning achievement, uh, you know, in your 60s, winning your first championship, and then the news drops. What was your reaction to that? What was going through your mind? Well, I was uh, still over talking to some of the fans when he started the announcement, I, and, and I said, wait a minute, I think I just heard something. i got to get over there and listen to this. You know, and <clears throat> I, I was really, I guess when I first heard the words, um, I wasn't totally shocked because, you know, we'd heard some rumors, and, and we knew that, you know, the land around there was, was worth a lot of money and, and, and things like that. But I didn't think it was going to be something that would happen this year. I thought maybe eight or ten years from now maybe we might – be dealing with this so you know it was really kind of a i mean it just made you feel kind of numb i mean it just it was really surprising let's put it that way i guess in retrospect are you glad that you concentrated the amount of time you did at beechridge in the last couple of years uh yeah i i loved it there i mean really had a good time there i mean we get along with everybody and we made a lot of friends you know and it, it just you know it just it's, it was a real fun place to race it always felt welcomed and you know I, I really enjoyed it down there Gary, you're a racer's racer, and I don't think that this stat gets told enough. 
The entire reason that you are racing Beach Ridge to begin with, I think, is something that all racers can can really relate to. We we had raced everywhere in the in the, in the state of Maine, and and we won everywhere uh, up until I think around 2016 or 17. I hadn't won at Oxford, but then when I won at Oxford, um, it it just kind of made sense that this was the next step. You know, we were going to go to Beach Ridge. I'd always had a really hard time getting around Beach Ridge, and we never had a really lot of success. So I said, you know something, we're going to go down there and we're going to race and we're going to win. You know, we're going to see what we can do and and figure this place out. And uh, that's just what happened. But you didn't get a win right away. But when you did break through, it was in a big way. Yeah, we we uh, we won that pass race the last the last week of uh, 2019, um, and it was after the season was over and we were pretty down that we hadn't won, and um, you know we went to that pass race with modest at best you know expectations and um but when we went there saturday the day before the race we we kept getting better the car kept getting better and we were on older tires and just get a really good feel for the car and i really felt as though we had a had a a good chance of getting a a, a good finish you know i, I never mm-hmm. expected to win it but when we went out there and, and uh and started right off i knew we had a good car and it just drove so easy and that's what they always say when you have your best cars. It's the easiest thing you could ever do, and it's just like that. i got to tell you, it was one of the most popular wins that I had seen at that track in quite some time. I mean, you're, if, you're, if you're any good, you're always going to have your detractors. But I don't know of a single person who was a Gary Smith detractor that day. Uh, everybody was on your side, so that, that had to feel awesome. Uh, talk about some of the friends that you you made. I mean, a lot of the people that are on this series are lifers at Beechridge, which isn't your case, but you made some great connections when you were there. I did. You know, I, a lot of the people that uh, were racing there, I, I've known just because I've raced so long. I've, I've met them at other tracks, and I've met them at Beechridge and, and uh, talked to a lot of them. Um, I guess probably, you know, the, the guys that I hadn't really talked to a lot was, was were more of the, the guys that worked the tracks, like the... Uh, uh, Dan Walker and Sue Sue Walker and uh, Dickie Fowler and those those type of people those those will always be special to me you know because they're, they're you know, really lifelong friends now I know I I didn't really know them all that well when I went there you more or less when you're a racer you talk to all the race people other mm-hmm. race race drivers and and crew members and stuff like that you know and so I, I really hadn't really known them all that well knew of them but never really knew them to talk to. So that was that was, and they'll they'll be lifelong friends, you know. So that was that was really nice. It's amazing. On you know, we can everything's about perception, and obviously everyone feels the way they do about a track closing. Uh, you and I probably would have met at some point, but certainly wouldn't have had uh, the conversations that we've had if it wasn't for a place like Beechridge. So I mean, that's that's one way I like to spin it. Of like, hey, we would have never met. We would have never had that experience to be sad about today. That's true. I mean, racing is all about the people. You know, the, the racing is so much fun, but but it's the people that keep you in it for for a long time, and the friends you meet. And and, and it's it's funny because they're friends year round, but you don't see them all year round. So when racing comes around, everybody's excited to see them, and that's why the sh- these shows are so popular because you get to catch up with people that you haven't seen all winter, and and uh, you know, so you really look forward to the spring to be able to talk to people and, and reconnect. Gary, uh, you know, we, we mentioned the loss of your father-in-law at the top of the, the interview. And, you know, it's not like uh, you 
I mean, you've accomplished so much in the state of Maine when it comes to racing, winning at every track, winning the championship at Beechridge. What is there left for you to do in 2022? Um, we're we're going to go to um, Lee for the for the 2022 20, season. They have a an eight race series that is running four days, so it's double features for events. And uh, we're going to do those, and then we're going to go back and race some past races. Um, at, at Oxford, we're going to probably run all the past races at Oxford. Maybe the 250. We haven't really decided for sure. Um, we're going to go to Spud. We always enjoyed going up there, hmm. and uh, we're going to run a Grand Estate race at Lee. So we're going to diversify a little bit and run around. You know, do some different stuff. Gary, what is your gas bill going to be this year? Because you're from Bangor. I don't even want to know. <laughs> I mean, because I take you know people that know me know that I take my motorhome with me yeah. everywhere I go. You know, because my wife likes to go, and the kids, my grandkids, and stuff. So we go as a family. So I take motor home, no matter where we go, oh, and uh, it's a diesel. So uh, that and the hall is a diesel. So we're gonna we're gonna have a big bill, I think, this year. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're still gonna do it. You know, we're gonna try to do as long as we can, anyways. <laughs> well, Gary, thank you so much for your time. Uh, excellent interview. I'm gonna probably. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast or if you know how to. Oh, I, I look. I watch. We, we do it every single week while we work on the race car. We always listen to it. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, well, I, I do fun. appreciate that support. I got to get you a sticker, and we'll. Um, I'm sure I'll see you at Lee uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I'm working there now. I know. I see that. That's awesome. And finally, Rusty Poland, who had his most successful season. Matter of fact, his Beach Ridge trajectory was completely through the roof. Uh, He became somebody who, once in a while, hit a top five to someone who you'd expect to be in the top five, and then competing for championships. A couple years ago, you wouldn't have thought that Rusty Poland would compete for a Pro Series championship until, hey, if we had kept points in 2020 during the COVID year, Rusty would have been your champion. Uh, Not an official champion, almost became one in 2021. Let's get into that. I pretty much just planned on doing the same thing. The car, uh, I knew the motor was going to have to be redone, and it was going to be like a building season for us where we had to redo everything. But I I 100% going into it was like, okay, well, get through this last race. We'll start the rebuild, and we'll go get ready to chase championship next year and just go back at fighting hard again. Let's talk about that last race, you and Gary Smith. And there was four guys that could have won that championship on that night. Um what were your what were your thoughts going into well what turned out to be your final points race at Beach Ridge? It was pretty crazy because I I tried not to think about it all year. In the last two weeks, I really started looking at like what could happen. And I was like, I can't believe it's this close between this many of us. I mean, one bad night is all it takes. I mean, we led the points for a while. And ended up we uh, we blistered a right rear tire that night, so that's part of why we were absolutely terrible. Hmm. So kind of kind of sucks but i mean that's racing in a nutshell that's what it all comes down to but i was i was defeated a little bit at the end of the night obviously with everything happening the way it did but at the same time i guess like i had my entire family i had sponsors i had people that hadn't been in the races in 20 years there so at the end of the day i kind of once i calmed down i get to think about it. i'm like you know this is an opportunity that so many kids not even kids i mean full-grown adults dream of that we're out here getting to do and realistically my only goal this year was to have to go to the banquet granted we didn't have one Mm. but that was my only goal was to go to the banquet and we damn near won a championship like how how can you be mad at that especially you know we've talked about my team itself it's 
me and two or three buddies and my 84, 85-year-old grandfather. I mean, there's no one out there doing it like we have to do it. So, at the end of the day, it sucks you don't come home with a championship, but we made a statement. I think people know we're not here to play anymore. We're, we're going for the win, and honestly, it's a great year. Buddy, you made Jeff Nealon take off his leg. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff's been known to get a little crazy every once in a while. He did it twice this year, so wow. I, I got a leg wow. up on the competition. <laughs> Jesus, you need get a leg up with Rusty Poland. That needs to be a shirt somewhere. <laughs> I feel like Alex Bowman and all his new line. Yes, yes. Everybody that we talk to has a ton of stories away from the racetrack, from from the competition itself, you know, and the people that they meet along the way. You're from a racing family. Talk about what it's like to grow up at a place like Beechridge and then not have it there. It's definitely, I didn't think of it all at first, honestly, but, you know, over the winter, it's, it hits you more and more almost every month, it feels. But, like, I, I can remember being four or five years old, and Justin and Nick Cusack were, like, my buddies. And every time I went to the racetrack, every week to watch my dad, I would go. they bring me in through the concession stands, and we'd be grabbing chicken nuggets. And, <laughs> you know, you'd go sit with this person, and then you're sitting with this person. And it's honestly, I say in racing, you don't really make friends. You make family. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these people, I mean, I've known longer than my own family, honestly. And it was it was pretty cool to, you know, watch my dad race against guys like Dickie Dearborn and Dan Bubar and stuff like that. And now you fast forward all the years, I'm friends with, I'm really good friends with Corey Bubar and, you know, Bobby Timmons, all those guys. Our families raced together 15, 20 years ago. Now here we are racing together, hanging out together, just one big happy family, honestly. What's it like to have someone who has turned wrenches on, you know, Homer Drew's cars and all of the the legends that you only read about, you never got to watch in person? And, of course, I'm talking about your grandfather. He makes sure to tell me that he's uh, he's forgot more than I'll ever know, and <laughs> I get a pretty big kick out of it. But the the stuff that they did back then, I might not agree with now as far as straightening race cars with trees and come-alongs and all that. But I can tell you, I mean... Rex Garrett from DEI was down one night this year, and my car, something happened. I couldn't get it started for first practice. And I look, and here comes Chum running out of the trail with a hammer. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he smacked the carburetor, and the car fired right up. And I was like, don't ever do that again, but how <laughs> the hell did you know that was going to work? Yeah. And it's just, it's that old, old-time old thing. They just know how to make it all work. They, I think it's luck half the time, but it looks, it looks good on paper, I guess, because the finishes are there after. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you really, uh, like I said at the beginning of this, have come a long way in just the last couple of years. Some of the friends that you've made along the way, not necessarily within your family, but Beechridge is a place where, you know, had you not had the Beechridge experience, you would have never met so-and-so. And who is that person? Who are those people? I, I don't think there's just one person for me, honestly. I mean, coming from, being from Wyndham, it's obviously a kind of a racing town, but I've met so many people that I consider friends and family and, you know, help me out and all that. Uh, Dan and Sue Walker, honestly, are kind of the first two that come to mind because I, I didn't even know Dan was a fan of mine until, you know, four years ago. And now here I am. I go out to dinner with him and Sue and Mike Rowe, you know, once a month. So, you know, the Walkers are obviously huge and they've always been big supporters behind the scenes, you know, whether it's just giving me a pep talk to keep, 
keep my head on straight or all that. But and then obviously the the Wyndham community, you get the Timmins family, the Boo Bars, uh, Charlie Sanborn, not from Wyndham, but his now in Wyndham sharing a shop with me. We're really good friends. It's it's brought me close to a lot of people that once I've got out of high school, the friends that you had in high school kind of go away, but your racing friends get bigger and bigger. What are you doing in 2022 now that there isn't a, a racetrack in Scarborough? Well, we kind of sat down and tried to figure that out, whether we wanted to run weekly or if we just wanted to go chase a couple big races and whatnot. So we decided this year we're going to go do all the Oxford Pass races. Um, we're going to have some fun with that, hopefully. Uh, after all the support was cast it had with Beatridge last year, I felt it was fitting to make an attempt to go up there. So we're going to go run the Boss Hog, and we're going to run a weekly race up there. And I've never actually raced there, so that was part of the kind of the kick to get going and try it. You're going to love it. Gonna, that's, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, I've been there and watched a race, but I've, I've never even walked on the racetrack. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. But I've never been to, uh, never raced at Thompson before, so we're going to go to Thompson at the end of the year. A uh, couple Granite State races probably, hopefully. And then... I've somehow found a way to put a modified ride together for Oxford 250 Saturday and Wiscasset. They have another race there. We're going to go try that. Well, Rusty, I do appreciate your time. That's uh, that's great information. Absolutely. I appreciate having me on. I appreciate what you're, uh, what you're doing here for everybody because it's pretty cool and not a lot of people would tackle that. And that'll do it for stage number one of Beatridge, the next chapter. And next time out, we'll interview some more stars and, and champions of the racetrack, including the final driver of the decade, Corey Bubar. My whole life has been for Beatridge and racing, and kind of to take it away is just there was a lot of emotions going on, I guess. I'm Andy Austin. Thank you for supporting Open Trailer Podcast. We'll talk soon.